Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. Bigger is always better. No. Progress is always forward. No. The glory to glory means there's always going to be more. No, many times God will take away from you to get you to progress and grow in the things of God. How many I could ask, and I'm not going to, have lost everything and it created in you a new dependence upon the Lord and you grew like crazy during that time of having nothing. You had everything, cruise control. You have nothing, oh God! Just walk by faith, friends. This is amazing grace. As believers, we recognize we're saved by grace through faith, and that's a total work of God. He gets all the glory for that, right? But did you realize your growth and the good in your life comes from God too? All glory is to go to God for His work in our lives. Our sufficiency is from the Lord. And that's the emphasis of today's Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor dives back into 2 Corinthians 3. When Paul says that he understands his sufficiency is from the Lord, he really means that. Perhaps not something so trivial or funny about clothes, but you can see the heart of the matter where our sufficiency is from the Lord. I know you might be really smart, and for that we're very grateful. We need very smart people to run the world, but your sufficiency is from the Lord. Or you may not be all that smart, but you're talented in another area, or you're the head honcho at your job, or you own such and such. Man, we're so grateful that there's a believer in all those positions, that God is using you greatly to impact your world, but your sufficiency is not any of the work. You're there by the grace of God, so give him the credit for your life. That's what Paul says. The work of salvation is always an inside job, a work of God internally. Most assuredly, Jesus said in John 3.3, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I have not met one person in the many years that I've walked with Jesus that have ever given themselves new life. There's no one. There's a lot of religions that promise it, but it's always outward. It's always attacking the outward. Religion will love to try to change the outward and never touch the heart. That's why legalism is so attractive, because you can deal with all the outward stuff and still be rotten to the core. You have the appearance of religion. We have the appearance of religion, but the inside you're far from God, which is what Jesus told the Pharisees. We don't want to be there in our lives. We don't want to be there. We want to be very careful. Paul the Apostle's sufficiency was from God and so is ours. I've met many people, perhaps I'm even speaking to you over the years, that refuse to be used of God because they feel inadequate or not ready. Your sufficiency is from God. Inadequate and not ready, we should be feeling that all the time because God will be stretching us to places where, well, Ed, I just got used to this. Well, now it's time to grow. So step in by faith and feel inadequate and like you can't do it so that God can get all the credit. Our sufficiency for the task is never in ourselves. It's always in him. This is Paul the Apostle. He says in verse 5, our sufficiency is from God. We We don't think that anything is from ourselves. That's convicting because I can't fully say that 
in my life. There are times where I think it is me. Oh, yes, it was all of that and whatever you fill in the blank when really I need to learn and accept my sufficiencies from God. All of it. So tempting are the methods and the programs being offered to replace the sufficiency of God. So tempting. Quick promises of instant spiritual growth for you believers. Quick classes, webinars, video sets, all promising the buyer the right secrets and the right tools that if you're not careful will replace the sufficiency of God. You go, I don't know what to do. Ask the Lord. Are some of these tools wonderful? Of course. God's given teachers and those to help us understand things and grasp things and different perspectives. But don't think because you read a book that now you're sufficient. Hey, how did that, how did that thing, man, I see your family, it's so changed, your parenting is so different, your kids, they're, they're just changed, what happened? Well, if you're not careful, the very first thing out of your mouth will be, I read this book. Really? Or I went to that seminar, yeah, you get your marriage, well, I went to that seminar, it was being held at such and such a place, you know, that, that really transformed my life. No, no, that has to always be secondary. Your sufficiency's from God. It's not the book, and it's not the studies, and it's not your favorite pastor. It's not me. It's not this church. It's not any of your sufficiency is from the Lord. I just want you to believe that. You know, there are pastors listening in right now, and there's always a brand new thing that comes in my mailbox and many pastors in the city promising to grow the church. This is how you grow the church. This is how you build the church. This is how you run the church. This is, you name it, anything that relates to the church, somebody wants to sell me something as it relates to the church. And there's always big promises. And there's always great testimonials. You know, Pastor so-and-so had a church of minus five, and now he's 5,000. Whoa! How is that possible? I gotta get that thing. And before you know it, I'm chasing after methodologies and programs. Again, I go to conferences and I buy books and I read. I'm, a constantly, I'm constantly looking for ideas that might make me a better, more useful pastor and leader. But my sufficiency is from the Lord. My sufficiency is from God. The credit for whatever God is doing, even in our own congregation, does not go to me or to the pastors, or to the leaders, or to the last seminar we went, or the new CDs. Our sufficiency as a church is from God, across the board. It was that, day, that way on day one. It would be that way as many days as God gives us. And that translates, my prayer is, it also translates to your life, where you look at what God's doing in your life, and you give him all the credit. So important. Because I'm afraid that there's some listening that just don't believe this. There's just something ingrained in you that wants to take the credit, that demands to take the credit. Or even just a small part, but Ed, can't I just? Well, Paul says our sufficiency is from God. He has made us, verse 6, sufficient. So you feel insufficient, you know that God is going to make you sufficient. And all these programs and methodologies, resist them, resist them. I think a lot of the things that I've read over the years and things that I've done, they're really, they're really attempting with the wisdom of man to replace what the Spirit of God will do for free. Where the Spirit of God will move among us. Speak to us, encourage us, deliver us. The Spirit of God will give us the words to say when we need them. 
The Spirit of God will encourage, it will comfort, he will. The Spirit of God will move among us. It's like, Ed, I'm just so desperate for wisdom. The Bible says in James, ask of God who will give wisdom. And the context there in chapter 1 of James is in the midst of trials. Don't we want wisdom in the midst of trials? We're like, what is this all about? Well, the Bible says, ask God. He'll give to all liberally without reproach. Just ask. No, I need the book on trials. You're living it, man. You write the book on trials. (laughs) You see what God's producing in your life. This is so foundational. You you, you can't leave. God has, has you here listening to this message right now so that you understand that your sufficiency is of the Lord. It's a thrill to watch him work. It's not always a thrill to watch you work in the flesh. It's not always a thrill to watch Abraham and his wife try to help God out. That's not a thrilling part of the Bible. When instead of waiting for the promise of God, they create an Ishmael. And I wonder how many Ishmaels are running around because of our fleshly impatience. We want things faster and quicker and we just don't believe God at his word where his, our sufficiency is from him. There has to be more. And you know what happens with that feeling? It's a genuine feeling. There has to be more because there is more. There is more for you and I as we grow in the spirit. There is more as he takes us from glory to glory and strength to strength. That desire is a good desire, but here's the problem. People will take advantage of that and manipulate you to take from you because of your desire for more instead of to give you the truth of God's word so that you can enjoy the presence of God and get the more from him. You know, sometimes the more of the spirit is nothing. That's one of the paradoxes of walking with God. You go, no, 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 bigger is always better. No. Progress is always forward. No. Glory to glory means there's always going to be more. No, many times God will take away from you to get you to progress and grow in the things of God. How many I could ask, and I'm not going to, have lost everything And it created in you a new dependence upon the Lord. And you grew like crazy during that time of having nothing. You had everything, cruise control. You have nothing, oh God. Just walk by faith, friends. He says not only that in verse 6, but he's made us sufficient ministers of what? The new covenant. The new covenant. He combined, he contrasts now the new covenant and the old covenant. The law and grace. I think that's one of the problems that people had with Paul was this doctrine of grace it wasn't a new doctrine the grace of God is everywhere in the scriptures putting Adam and Eve in the garden giving them life was grace they didn't they didn't deserve life or to be in such a pristine condition or to enjoy all of those days walking in the cool of the garden enjoying fellowship with God before they fell into sin and cast all of humanity into sin. They didn't deserve any of that. It was all grace. It was grace, creation. God is a God of grace from the very moment of creation. And even before that, because he predates. If you can allow your mind just to explode, that God has has always existed. And he's always been a God of grace. There hasn't been a second where God turned off the spigot of grace. (laughs) Everything is all grace in him. And he's given us the new covenant. He says the letter, it's not of the letter. And he's referring to the the law. We even use the phrase today, the letter of the law. He's referring to the law. He says not of the letter, not of the law, but of the spirit. Because the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, let me just pause here for a second. Because verse 6 is often misquoted in some circles, especially toward 
they'll use a verse like this toward perhaps a church like ours that just teaches through the Bible, word by word, all the time, every time we meet. That's all we do. Why? Because the Bible is given to us to learn all of it from beginning to end. That's why we study the Bible. Well, why don't we do anything else? Because that's what we do. We study the Bible. Yeah, but can't we do something else? No, we study the Bible. That's what we do. We study the Bible. That's what you're going to get. Can we change it next week or not change it next week? We study the Bible. Even when we do a baptism, I'll explain to you what baptism is. Why? By what? The Bible. Like it's not, we didn't make it up. It's the Bible teaching us how to live life. So that's what you're going to get. And so what will happen though is that there'll, there'll be those that look at a Bible teaching church like ours or many other churches and go, you know what? You don't understand. You need to be open to the Spirit. We are open to the Spirit. No, but the letter kills. No, he's not referring to the Bible. He's referring to the law. He's referring to the law. If you attempt to live your life by the law, the law will only do one thing. Reveal that you're a sinner and condemn you. Oh, that's a great ministry. (laughs) We've got the ministry of condemnation here. That's what we are. We go by the law. No, 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 no. That's what he's saying. We have the new covenant. The new covenant, the law, he will see in a moment, had its place. And he uses this picture now in verse 7. He says, but if the ministry of death, another phrase for the law, written and engraved on stones, the Ten Commandments, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? This is a reference to Exodus 34, verse 29 or so. Moses has gone up to the mount. He's been in the very presence of the Lord. He comes down with the Ten Commandments, and he's glowing from the presence of God. But he covered and veiled his face so that the people could live. And we also know that he covered his face because it wasn't going to last. It was going to fade away, which became a picture and a type of the law. It wasn't going to be the law served the purpose, but it was fading away. The law was doing what? Pointing to the coming Savior. Every single time a sacrifice was made for sins, the Bible says in the Hebrew that it was kafar. It was a covering. It didn't remove the sin. It covered the sin till the win, the next sacrifice. And that was the system that was put in place. That's what God required. And through obedience, the children of Israel followed through with those sacrifices in hopes of the coming Messiah who would once and for all take away, not cover, but take away the sins and the penalty of sin. And that's what the whole book of Hebrews is pointing to is Jesus is that Lamb of God, just like John the Baptist said, that takes away the sins of the world. The law came to an end. We've looked at this in depth in other places especially as it relates to the movement today about Sabbath keeping. And I would say this, if you desire to keep the Sabbath, do it as unto the Lord. If you desire to not keep the Sabbath in terms of a Saturday worship service, or what, then do it as unto the Lord. And we went in depth, and we also, when we studied that, it's up on the web. You can just put Sabbath up in the search thing, and it'll pop up. We went in depth of where the beginning and the end of the Mosaic law was. Paul was very clear, super clear. Well, he's mentioning it again here. That if the ministry of death, verse 7, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how would the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For the ministry, verse 9, of condemnation, if that had glory, then the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Here's the ministry of righteousness. It's the message of grace. It's all God and zero you. It's his righteousness. But Ed, can it be 5% me? No. That's the ministry of, according to this, ministry of death. If you want to live by the law, you're going to die by the law. (laughs) Because which one of us has kept the law 100%? Anyone? I'd like to talk to you after the service. 
Because just by thinking that, you lied. <laughs> and you haven't. I mean, any little mistake in your life, I mean, it's so simple. But we don't think in those terms. Because we only think in the small little list that we've developed for ourselves. And you want to know something about making a list for, the, for having your righteousness with God? Let me give you a little secret. When you make the list, you will make it in such a way that you can keep it, but very few other people can. Because once you start to cross the line, you're going to find that you're going to take that off the list. So, well, in order to be right with God, I will never get angry again. I am going to be a happy person. Uh, uh, what's your problem? Oh, take that off. All right. Can't be that one. What's the next one? What's the next one? You come to find out that you are unable to live by even your own standard. And your own standard is way below God's holy and perfect standard. So it doesn't matter which one. You could pick God's holy and perfect standard, your imperfect standard. You're going to fail them both. You and I need to relate to God by the grace of God continually over and over again, it's if the glory of the law gave an afterglow in Moses, how much more this righteousness where Jesus' righteousness is yours by faith. You recognize that you're guilty, but now your salvation is by his righteousness. For even what was made glorious, he says in verse 10, had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. Even the glory that Moses had wasn't anything in comparison to what was to come. The message of grace through Jesus Christ. Verse 11. For, what, for if what was passing away was glorious, the law, what remains is much more glorious, grace. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. It is, it is an amazing thing to understand God and relate to him by grace. It gives such boldness. Because you know it's not you. You know it's not you. You know it's not you. And it gives you great boldness. When you're talking to someone about an issue in their life, you're talking about some struggle they have or some issue, you can speak with great boldness. They might even go, how could you say that? Because God's done that work in me. It's a glorious, we have boldness because we understand grace. The more you understand the doctrine of grace, the more boldness you will have. But when you are trying to relate to God by some legal, legalistic system, there's no boldness in that because all you do is fail. And what do you do with your failure? What can you do with your failure? You know what usually happens? It's usually imposed on someone else. And you get mad at other people for their failure. And it separates people. Instead of relating to God like, man, it's unlike Moses, he says in verse 13, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. He says, it's unlike that. And he uses this now as a picture to describe some of the difficulties you may be having in sharing the gospel, in particular with those that are Jewish with the nation of Israel, he says, but their minds were hardened. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. That's one of the difficulties that you have. There's a veil over their eyes. That's mentioned many times. It's meant, Paul mentions it again in Romans. I mean, you, you, you're so confident in the scriptures. You learn Isaiah 53. It's all about Messiah. And so you have a Jewish friend and you're like, man, you just won't believe this. And you take out their Torah. You take out their scriptures. You open Isaiah 53 and you go, look at this. And they go, I don't get it. And you're like, what do you, you can't get, what do you mean you don't get it? And you start going through the whole history of Jesus and you bought the book, The Case for Christ. And you got everything. You got library after library and boom, 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 boom. And you're just like, man, you got saved again by what you shared. <laughs> and they're like, I don't get it. No, I don't. Under, I don't see it now. I, you're, I don't. Uh-uh, I don't believe that. Now you know why. Because right now, there's a veil. 
And the veil is only removed by Jesus. It's only removed by grace. He says in verse 15, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Now he used that same picture of Gentiles too. It's not just something with those of a Jewish descent. It's also the Gentiles are blinded. The natural man does not receive the things of the spirit because he's a natural man. So it's not just, it's not just to the Jew, but because he's using Moses as an example, he's bringing out this truth. And there's a veil. And that's why you need to pray more than you speak for those that are lost in your life. You can't come up with some clever argument or some clever way, although those are good. Don't, don't, please don't misunderstand me using tracts and, and ways to deliver the gospel that will get somebody to think and open themselves up to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But it's just because you have some clever way, don't give the credit to the clever way. Because your sufficiency is what? From God. It's from the Lord. You're, that's your sufficiency. It's not, well, I've developed a system. Praise God you've developed a system that God inspired and helped you to develop. It's wonderful. We give God the credit because he's the author and finisher of salvation. It's so subtle, isn't it? It's so subtle. It's a trap that we all fall into, especially when you start living and like you, you've got these days of victory and these days of freedom like we saw last time. And before you know it, you're like starting to, well, I'm in the word all the time and I'm in the, I'm in, you know, on and on and on, which being in the word and prayer is all great, but your sufficiency is still from God. Hey, thanks for joining us today on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor delivered a message based in 2 Corinthians. Would you like to hear this again? If so, just pay us a visit online at calvaryco.church. You'll find an archive of messages right there. You can also listen through our apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. Well, Pastor Ed, you stressed today that our sufficiency is from the Lord. And this is such an important and foundational principle. You did a great job explaining what that looks like in our lives. But as you know, many are attempting to live by their own resources. What does that lead to? Well, you know, Larry, when we try to live the Christian life in our own resources, in our own own understanding, it leads to frustration. And it leads to a, an attitude of anger toward God. And people say things like, you know, I tried Christianity and it didn't work. The problem with that is that Christianity isn't to be tried. It's not something you try on like a pair of clothes or it's not something you read a book. And, you know, I tried understanding that topic. Christianity is a person and it's a surrender to the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I think, you know, when you're trying to live in your own wisdom, it's just frustrating. And, and it is hard to be joyful, to enjoy our relationship with God. It, it leads to broken relationships. It leads to backsliding. Uh, it leads to all these attitudes like, you know, it doesn't work for me. Look, at Christianity works because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And you listening today that might be frustrated, might be really wrestling with this topic, I want to recommend a book to you. Uh, it's called Why Grace Changes Everything by Pastor Chuck Smith. And on occasion, it's our pick of the month, but just go to Amazon, pick it up, uh, Why Grace Changes Everything, and begin this foundational understanding of God's grace and love for you. Because it is not his heart for you to be frustrated and angry and ready to throw in the towel. But it is his heart for us to surrender and to understand that it's his life lived in us. And before we were born again, we did our own thing and it came to nothing. And just learning how to surrender, that's the key. The key to frustration is prayerful surrender. So go for it. 
Again, the book that Pastor Ed just recommended is Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. It's available on Amazon. We have an excellent resource we'd like to get into your hands called The Quick Scripture Reference for Counseling. We all face problems, big and small, and the Bible has the answers. But where do we find them? That's where this quick scripture reference can come in handy, as it covers a wide range of subjects many deal with, from anxiety to divorce, forgiving others, work or prayer. It works well in counseling situations, too, as you'll be able to find pertinent messages to help you share God's Word with a friend when they need it most. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Please remember this ministry is made possible through the support of listeners, and we're grateful for whatever the Lord leads you to do. It would be great to hear from you during these summer months. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. Glad you've taken time out for our study in 2 Corinthians. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, and we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.